It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Back here for another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Julian Council, and you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check us out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Odyssey, and pretty much wherever you find your podcast. As I've been letting you know the last couple of days, we were having some issues with the podcast showing up on Apple Podcasts. Now, you might say, I'm not having any issues at all. Well, if you are subscribed to the podcast, which you should be doing, then it will show up. But if you're not subscribed, the last podcast up there was my reaction to the Carolina Panthers selecting J.C. Horn and passing on Justin Fields, and that was... Over a week ago. That was like 10 days ago. So that's not good to have a week's worth of shows not available on Apple Podcasts. But the good thing about it is we are everywhere in every podcast that's a part of Locked On Podcast Network. If you want to know what's going on with the division rival Saints and with the Falcons and with the Buccaneers, all those podcasts and all the NFL podcasts and all the podcasts, period, part of Locked On Podcast Network can be found pretty much wherever you find your podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where I'm going to need your your participation every single week as we have our weekly Friday mailbag. So please get in your questions starting now, and I can get those and answer those on Friday morning when I download the pod for you guys. Okay, so on today's episode, going to continue our position breakdown with the tight ends. Ending up our offense, last week we talked about the quarterbacks, we talked about wide receivers, talked about the O-line, whether that was fixed or not. So we're going to get into the tight ends today. As there is one tight end on this roster, who I've mentioned before, might be in danger of not having a job here at the Carolina Panthers and being a part of the initial 53-man roster. Also, considering we've gone through each offensive position group today, I want to go through who had the best offseason in terms of the offensive position groups. Who improved the most? Which position group improved the least? Who didn't improve at all? So we'll get into all of that. But first off, let's go ahead and start with the Carolina Panthers News and decision on Saturday afternoon to hire Dan Morgan as the assistant general manager for the team. And this is something that was reported last week or the week prior, rather, by Ian Rappaport that the Carolina Panthers were going to be interviewing Dan Morgan. As we know, a former Carolina Panther linebacker was excellent. You'll never forget the 18 tackle performance he had in the Super Bowl against New England and that heartbreaking loss. He was just formerly a college football Hall of Famer. At least he was at least announced a college football Hall of Famer for his career that he had at Miami. And he has worked his way through the NFL, starting off as an intern in Seattle. That's right, an intern in, in Seattle in their player personnel department where he met Scott Fitterer back in 2010. Working his way all the way up to working in Buffalo the last couple of years as a director of player personnel with Brandon Bean. This is a great hire. It's not because Dan Morgan is a Carolina Panther. Him playing here 
for me, has nothing to do with this hire. It has everything to do with the organizations that he's worked for and who he knows. And who he knows is Scott Fitterer. He worked in Seattle, starting off there as an intern, as I mentioned, working under John Snyder, one of the best GMs in the NFL, a good relationship with Pete Carroll, who has done an excellent job there in Seattle, a Super Bowl-winning franchise, a franchise that continuously has been atop the NFC West or in the playoffs on pretty much an annual basis. Now, having a quarterback like Russell Wilson helps, but they've been able to do it for the better part of the last 15 years, whether it was Mike Holmgren, who's their head coach, or it's now Pete Carroll, whether it was Russell Wilson playing quarterback or Matt Hasselbeck. They have found ways to be successful out there in the Pacific Northwest. He then goes to Buffalo to work with Brandon Bean, who, of course, he gained an understanding with, with Brandon Bean growing up here in the Carolinas and in this organization and being groomed by Marty Herney. And you can laugh about that, but he was groomed, learned to cap Marty, went to Buffalo, and he has built a winner there with the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen as their quarterback, the trade to bring in Stephon Diggs last year, who then turned out to be an all-pro wide receiver. Brandon Bean has done an excellent job in Buffalo. And as frustrating as it was for Carolina Panther fans to see Brandon Bean go off to Buffalo, and then months later, Jerry Richardson, the former owner, fire Dave Gettleman, and you lose out on a young, bright mind who grew up here in the Carolinas, it's great now to be able to reap the benefits of him going to Buffalo by now having Dan Morgan come to Carolina. And Dan Morgan's going to be a guy who, if he continues the same path that he's on right now, he will be a candidate to be a general manager in probably two years' time. I'm not sure whether he's going to be up for a GM job next year. It's very possible especially if he can have an immediate impact here working under Scott Fitterer. But I would imagine come the 2023 GM cycle in the January and February, that Dan Morgan will be a very popular name. And he is on that path. And it's exciting to have someone like that, who is a rising star in the player personnel portion of the NFL to be in this front office. And when you look at it, I got to give David Tepper a lot of credit because organizationally, the Panthers were a mess at the end of the Jerry Richardson era. They didn't have a president anymore as Danny Morrison stepped away. They had lost Brandon Bean. They were on to a second term for Marty Herney, who was fired previously for the GM that they brought in, and Dave Gettleman, who took him to a Super Bowl, but then his bedside banner, and generally the way he was around here and, and the poor decisions that he made and his poor drafting led to him not being a part of the Carolina Panthers for that 2017 season. So this was an organization in a way, when it came to the front office, that was in disarray. Now you look at it, it's David Tepper up there as the owner who's going to spend whatever it takes for this team and this organization to be one of the tops in the NFL, which it has not been through the 26 seasons that the Carolina Panthers have been here in Charlotte. You have Matt Rule, second-year head coach, coming off a 5-11 season, someone that I think a lot of people in this area believe in and a guy who is very process-oriented. He talks about culture all the time. You saw what he did in Temple. You saw what he did at Baylor after the mess that Art Bryles left there. Matt Rule is a proven program builder, and that's what David Tepper said when he hired him, and that's what we're hoping to see starting here in the year two for the Carolina Panthers. You also bring in Scott Fitterer, first-time general manager who really – Earned his uh, chops in Seattle as a college scout. Was there for 20 years. Now he comes here, has a draft that we have not seen in terms of Carolina Panthers general managers ever have, where he maneuvered in the second day to be able to get more draft picks, which he set out to do. And he positioned himself via free agency to go best player available at eight, which they did by drafting J.C. Horn. Now you add Dan Morgan to the fold. You have Pat Stewart, 
who is a part of who's the director of player personnel. You have Samir Suleiman, who comes from Pittsburgh as the cap guy. And honestly, if you look at this too, is when they put out the list of top GM candidates and guys who are going to get interviews, Samir Suleiman, Pat Stewart, Dan Morgan, all three of those guys underneath Scott Fitter are all going to be guys on those kind of lists when the new cycle comes in 2022 and 2023. And to have that many rising stars in your organization is massive. So I give David Tepper a ton of credit for being patient when it came to the football side of things. When he first got here to Carolina, he wanted to make sure to take care of the business side. He was going to let Ron Rivera and Marty Herney take care of the football side and see where that went. As we know, things didn't work out. He kept Marty Herney for an extra year to try and learn more from Marty. And again, you can laugh at that, but he was around the NFL for a long time. He still is. Now it's the Washington football team reunited with Ron Rivera. So David Tepper used whatever knowledge he could get from Marty in terms of whether how the right things to do it and the right the wrong way to do things. He kept him around. And now it's benefited him. So the patience of waiting for an extra year for Ron Rivera to try and work things out didn't work. You brought in your head coach. Giving Marty Herney one year of transition with Matt Rule new to the NFL and not going and jumping and get a GM, that now worked out to getting Scott Fitterer. Now you have Dan Morgan. And this organizational structure is stronger than it's maybe ever been here in Carolina, in Carolina, especially what we've seen over the last 10, 15 years with Marty Herney and Dave Gettleman as general manager. So a ton of credit and a ton of praise certainly should be heaped upon David Tepper for the job that he's done, bringing in guys like Matt Rule, Scott Fitterer, and now Dan Morgan being hired as the Panthers assistant general manager. So the front office appears to be said. What about the tight end position group as there's one guy, his name is Ian Thomas, who I'm worried about might not be a Carolina Panther once the 2021 season rolls around. Going to get to that in just a moment, but first, hey Panther fans, listen up. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GMC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea, Text DRAFT to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and it'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT, D-R-A-F-T, to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. So we've been through the quarterbacks. We've been through the wide receivers. We've talked about the offensive line. We've talked about the running back group, of course. Headlined by Christian McCaffrey, the best offensive weapon in the NFL and really the headliner when it comes to the Carolina Panthers, the face of the franchise in this post-Cam Newton era with new head coach Matt Rule, new general manager Scott Fitterer, and of course that organizational structure already brought you brought up last segment of Dan Morgan, Pat Stewart, and Samir Suleiman. A lot of exciting things going on here in Carolina. But what about the tight end position? 
if you look at the current depth chart right now as they have it on panthers.com no there's no starters or second team or third team but just the guys listed on the roster on panthers.com you have ian thomas in his fourth year with an opportunity to prove that he can be the starting tight end here in carolina long term you have dan arnold who they brought in from arizona free agent had a career year last year playing in cliff kingsbury's offense with kyler murray the former number one overall pick out of oklahoma as his quarterback you have tommy trimble just drafted in the third round out of notre dame a supremely physical run blocker who can also potentially project out to be a pass catching tight end you have colin thompson who was in camp with the Panthers last year. He had some spots on the roster, some portions of the season, was in and out of the practice squad to being unavailable, to being on the street. He's back, signed again. Steven Sullivan, who played in Seattle, back where Scott Fitter, of course, came from. He's currently signed to be with the Panthers to come to training camp. And then Giovanni Ricci, another guy like Colin Thompson, who was in camp last year, did not make the team. Tried to work his way back, trying to make the practice squad. He's now signed by the Panthers. So you have those six guys who are all battling to be a part of the 53-man roster at the tight end position. Now, going back to last year, the initial 53-man roster cutdowns only had two tight ends, Ian Thomas and Chris Manhurts. Manhurts, of course, has signed a three-year deal, is now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, playing with first-year head coach Urban Meyer, which is still weird to think that Urban Meyer has left college football and he is now coaching the NFL for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, of course, landed Trevor Lawrence as the number one overall player in the draft to be there. Well, he was the number one overall quarterback, too, but to be their franchise quarterback. So Manhurts is gone. So really, the only incumbent in his position group is Ian Thomas. Now, there's familiarity of course, with Colin Thompson and Giovanni Ricci and Steven Sullivan, just in terms of him having come from Seattle. But with the coaching staff, they, the guys that they know are Ian Thomas, Colin Thompson, Giovanni Ricci. Those are the guys that they know. And Ian Thomas has an opportunity, like he's had in previous seasons. He has an opportunity to finally prove that he's more than just an athlete playing football. He has an opportunity to prove that he truly can be an every-down tight end. He can run block, and he can go out and receive for you. He has that chance. When you look at the tight end position group right now, Dan Arnold is mainly a pass-catching tight end. He's not really known as a run blocker. Tommy Trimble, who they drafted, I don't see how he's not going to make the roster. So he's mainly known as a run-blocking tight end who hopefully, with his athleticism, can turn into more of an option in the passing game for the Carolina Panthers now in the NFL. So Ian Thomas, can he be the best of both worlds for the Carolina Panthers? That's really what he needs to try and show right now. I do have my concerns that Ian Thomas might not make the roster. Because if it's going to only be a 53-man roster, considering what they gave Dan Arnold free agency, considering that they drafted Tommy Trimble, and that Ian Thomas was a guy that they had last year, who on an initial depth chart, he was not the number one tight end. It was Chris Manhurts who's gone and gotten some money. I'm not going to say he got a ton of money in Jacksonville. He got, he's gotten paid. He's earned a second contract in the NFL. He's a former basketball player, played at Canisius, came here, mainly blocking tight end, now going to Jacksonville. He has an opportunity there. Ian Thomas, same mold, former basketball player, played at Indiana, raw, comes to the NFL, gets to work with Greg Olson, who's going to be a Hall of Fame candidate one day and potentially a Hall of Famer, by far the best tight end that we've ever had here in Carolina. And that's not to say anything about Wesley Walls, who's up in the ring of honor. He was fantastic here in Carolina. But in my opinion, Greg Olson was the standard 
and is the standard when it comes to the tight end position here in Carolina. And Ian Thomas has not even come close to reaching that. He has shown flashes, certainly. But he has not been, especially last season, when you look at Joe Brady's offense, and you could see DJ Moore excel, and Robbie Anderson excel, and really Curtis Samuel, who, in the first three years of his career, whether it was due to injuries or just the coaching staff not putting him in the right positions to succeed, it was finally last year he was able to really shine and show what kind of player he was in, in Joe Brady's offense. And I think a lot of people looked at what Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's son, did at LSU for that national title winning team back in 2019 with guys like Jamar Chase and, of course, Terrace Marshall, who's now a Carolina Panther, that Ian Thomas could be in that role as one of the fifth options, like Thaddeus Moss really was, who really thrived, that he could be put in that same role and he could play a massive role for the Carolina Panthers last year. But he did not do that. And he has not done that, whether Olsen was injured or it was last season. So he has OTAs, mandatory minicamp, and training camp and preseason to prove to Matt Rule and to this coaching staff that he is more than just an athlete trying to play football in the NFL. Like he's been, he's been, he made it to the NFL. So it's not like he's just trying to play football, but are you more than just an athlete? Are you more than just a body? Can you actually be someone that you want to have a part of the offensive game plan? Or are you just going to be another dude on the roster? Which honestly, and to be frank, that's what he has been his first three years here in Carolina. And maybe the expectations should have not been as high if they were. Because I know when Greg Olson went down, a lot of people were saying, here we go, this is Ian Thomas's chance, going to be tight end of the future. And that never came to fruition. At least it hasn't. So maybe we should have expected less out of someone who hasn't been playing the game as long as he has. And then to come to the NFL and to be trying to learn the tight end position, who a lot of people have said that being tight end is one of the tougher positions to transition from college to the NFL. And when you add in that you didn't play that much in college, only two years and didn't come to the NFL, even if you had the opportunity to where maybe he would have benefited had Greg Olson been healthy and he would have been able to sit behind Greg Olson. I just look at it as I'm not quite sure whether Ian Thomas can be on this roster. Dan Arnold, Tommy Trimble, I would put on, I would put down money if I was a gambling man that they're going to be on the roster. Ian Thomas, I'm not so sure whether he will be a Carolina Panther once we get to September. I hope he is. I don't know what they want to do in terms of how many tight ends they want to carry. I probably would bet that he would be, but at this point in time for me, it's probably 60% that he will, 40% that he won't. He's not in such peril as Greg Little is at left tackle on this offensive unit, but I do think that he is someone who should be a little concerned about whether they're going to be on this roster if he does not perform this offseason. All right, so we've taken a look at the tight ends. We've taken a look at the wide receiver group, the running back group, the offensive line, and quarterbacks. Looking at the overall offense and looking at the position groups, which one improved the most? Which one improved the least? Which one just kind of stayed the same so far this offseason? I'll get into all of that in just a moment. The guys have been telling me about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. They have nine delicious flavors like coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. All excellent delicious flavors. 
all covered in 100% chocolate. So if you like coconut and you like cherry and you like raspberry, well, you're getting a ton of chocolate with it. They are healthy too. Built Bars are fantastic, easy to chew. Just amazing flavor in every bar. Most flavors have 17 grams of proteins, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. Built Bars are fantastic. Now, Mother's Day's passed. I was telling you guys to go to BuiltBar.com, hook your mom up with some Built Bars, and if you forgot to do that, you still have a chance to make it up to her by getting some Built Bars post-Mother's Day. Maybe we can start going ahead, looking ahead to Father's Day, getting your dad some Built Bars. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Okay, so looking at the offensive position groups, we've been through a quarterback headed up by Sam Darnold. Offensive line, have they fixed the left tackle situation? I'm not quite so sure. Wide receiver looks deeper than it has been maybe ever here in Carolina. Certainly since you had Moussin Muhammad and Steve Smith and Ricky Prohl, this is one of the deeper wide receiver groups the Carolina Panthers have had in a long time, if ever. Uh, tight end, Ian Thomas. I just spoke about it. Will he be on this roster, or will Dan Arnold and Tommy Trimble send them to the, the waiver wire? Well, that is that what's going to happen? We will find out. Running back, Christian McCaffrey's fantastic. Adding Shuba Hubbard in the fourth round after trading back is a great move by the Carolina Panthers, a guy who led college football back in 2019 in rushing yards in pretty much every statistical category and ran all over Matt Rule's Baylor Bears that season, a Baylor team that was fantastic playing for a Big 12 championship before, of course, Matt Rule took the job here in Carolina. So which group improved the most, which group improved the least, and which group kind of just stayed the same? Now, when it comes to improving the most, I don't think that there's any question that wide receiver has to be that. Of course, you have DJ Moore still on the roster and Robbie Anderson. Losing Curtis Samuel... It stunk, but they never had the money to keep him. And when you bring back Christian McCaffrey, he'll be healthy for 17 games, Curtis Samuel becomes your fourth option. Bringing in David Moore, who was really good last year in Seattle, that's a plus, especially at the kind of money they offered him. Drafting Terrace Marshall now in the second round, someone who the New Orleans Saints actually were targeting and the Panthers got that intel and were able to draft him before New Orleans got an opportunity to go trade up or get just draft him, period. I love that. So you add in another young college-wide receiver who, if you look at Curtis, he was more of a hybrid kind of guy, running back wide receiver. He was an absolute weapon at Ohio State. He played kind of that Percy Harvin role, except he was, I think, more less of a of a wide receiver than what Percy Harvin was at Florida. And, of course, not as good as Percy Harvin was incredible at the University of Florida. I don't think a lot of people recognize just how good he was. But he still kind of played that role in Urban Meyer's offense. And it took him a little bit of time to kind of really become a good, solid route runner in the NFL and to be utilized properly, which we finally saw last season. You bring in Terrace Marshall, he's already been in Joe Brady's offense. He already knows the terminology. He already knows what's going to be expected of him. And he's also a younger player. The knee is a little bit concerned, but he's bigger. 
He has a ton of speed, just like Curtis Samuel. And I think he could fit in perfectly with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore and David Moore. And let's not forget, forget about Shai Smith, who had a great season at South Carolina. There were some concerns about him, his maturity, especially early on in his time at South Carolina with the Gamecocks under Will Muschamp. But he was one of the lone bright spots for that team in this pandemic 2020 season that they had last fall. I think Shai Smith could factor in to be a pretty good player. So I think wide receiver absolutely improved probably more than any other position group. Running back, I don't know how much they improved, but adding in Shuba Hubbard, who could be a legitimate backup to Christian McCaffrey in the same way Mike Davis was. I don't know if he's going to run as hard and angry like Mike Davis. And Mike Davis has been around the NFL for a while and was fantastic at South Carolina. I do like Shuba Hubbard. And I like and appreciate the fact that Matt Rule saw a player who killed him back in college and said to himself, I need to get this guy on my roster. Even if it really was Matt Rule's wife letting him know, hey, that guy destroyed us. You need to get him on your roster. Having a legitimate backup to Christian McCaffrey and not having to pay them the kind of money that you would need to pay Mike Davis for him to come back, I think it was something that was key for the Carolina Panthers to do this offseason. And they've done that with Chuba Hubbard. Now, both of those position groups improved a ton, in my opinion. Maybe not a ton with Chuba Hubbard, but in terms of depth at running back, and getting a legitimate backup, in my, in my opinion, and in depth with wide receiver, I think both of those groups improved. Now, quarterback, and I've been over this. I'm not so sure Sam Darnold's an upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater. Yes, he adds the element of being able to push the ball down the field, what Teddy Bridgewater did not add and really has never added, and I don't think anyone really could have expected him to add that to the Carolina Panthers when he was their starter back in 2020. He's now at the Denver, so it's now Denver's problem. I don't know whether he's an improvement or not, just considering how he played in New York. He does have the weapons around him that should allow him to be good. And Matt Rule said that Sam's only going to be as good as the guys around him. He's got a lot of good players around him. So considering that, he should be a good player. Unless the turnovers continue like he had in New York with the Jets. If they do, then it's going to be either... Basically the same thing with Teddy Bridgewater or a little bit worse of a situation at quarterback. So... I'm not sitting here ready to say that the quarterback position improved per se. Backup is still a question mark. Is it going to be Will Greer, PJ Walker, who seemed to be the number two guy? I don't know. And I don't think I'm comfortable with either one of those guys having to step in for a couple of games if Sam Darnold continues to miss three or four games a season like he has in his first three seasons in the NFL where he's missed a combined 10 games over three seasons. I don't know if I feel comfortable with either one of those guys. So the quarterback position is still kind of all up in the air for me. I can't say that it truly improved until we see what happened. Offensive line is it kind of in the same boat. You bring back Sean Miller to play right guard. You keep Taylor Moten with the franchise tag. You have Matt Paradis for one more season at center. At left guard, if we're going to go based off of money, probably Pat Elfline. And is he an improvement from Chris Reed? Ah, Chris Reed had his moments. Certainly struggling. The, the Thursday night game against Atlanta was probably his worst output as a Carolina Panther. There's a reason why they didn't want to bring him back. I don't know if Elfline's an improvement there. At left tackle, Okung's gone. He was solid for the most part when he was actually healthy, but he wasn't healthy the majority of the time last season. Trent Scott came in. He was serviceable. Greg Little... Was not when he played. You uh, draft Brady Christensen, who the staff is yet to say whether he's truly going to be the left tackle or if he's going to be a guard. We don't know. So it's very hard to sit here outside of Terrell Moten and have full confidence 
in this offensive line. If I'm going to be confident, I'm going to be confident in the right side with right tackle Taylor Moten, right guard John Miller, and then center Matt Paradis. With the left side, I don't have a ton of confidence. You do bring in Deontay Brown from Alabama, who potentially could win a job in camp, depending on how things go, as he competes with Elfline and with Miller. And then Dennis Daly also on this roster going to try and play guard. So you have that. I already mentioned Brady Christensen. They at least have added players, and they've added younger players, which they wanted to do was get younger on the offensive side of the ball. Can I say the offensive line has improved? I don't know. Maybe improved depth like the wide receiver group, but not a single person that would make you truly feel 100% confident that they're going to come in and absolutely be a difference maker for this team, like, say, with the wide receiver group, where you know with David Moore, he might not be a complete game changer, well, you've already seen what he's done in Seattle. You think back to the game back in, it was a 2018 season where Seattle and Carolina had a crucial December game that both teams needed. And David Moore caught the game-winning touchdown, getting past Corn Elder, a just absolute dime from Russell Wilson. You've seen that guy kill you on the on Sundays. And you saw what he did last year in Seattle. You, you know he's going to add something. Is Pat Elfline going to add something? I don't know. Is Cam Irving going to add something? I don't know. Is Deontay Brown going to be ready to play right away? I don't know. Is Brady Christensen going to be the left tackle and excel like he did last season at BYU against the premier pass rushers in the game of football? I, I don't know these kind of things. There's still a ton of questions with that group. Tight end? Improved? Did it not improve? I'd say it improved absolutely when you add Dan Arnold as someone who can be a pass-catching tight end. You bring in a run, a run blocker who has... The potential to be more than just that in Tommy Trimble. Because Chris Manhurts was never going to be a pass-catching tight end. Tommy Trimble can be that. Ian Thomas, he's been here. He's the incumbent. Can he finally reach his potential? Possibly. So wide receiver, running back, absolutely improved. Tight end, I'd probably, I would say they improved. Offensive line, quarterback, when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, there's still question marks there. Quarterback is the one guy at Sam Darnold. That's the only question mark. I hope it works out. Certainly be rooting for Sam Darnold. I'm also hoping that he can learn how to draw the Panthers logo better because that was uh, that was interesting for Sam to try and do. And I think that was probably taped the same day that they brought him in for the first time and they had him doing a bunch of content. I'm sure the guy was tired and it was a whirlwind, but he tried his best. And I, I'm not artistic at all. So look, anyone who can draw the logo, great. Congratulations to you. But if hopefully Sam Darnold can play the quarterback position better than he can draw the Carolina Panthers logo in an offensive line, as I spoke about, left tackle, not quite sure whether that's been properly addressed or not. They brought in some younger players, which they settled to do, but there's still a ton of question marks when it comes to the offensive line for the Carolina Panthers. And we will find out more moving forward whether they will be better. So offensive position groups, breakdown, done. Moving on for the rest of the week, going to look at the defensive side of the ball and also go over which unit improved the most, which unit improved the least, and which unit just, you know, kind of stayed the same. So that wraps up another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast hosted by me, Julian Council, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. You can also check us out on Stitcher, Odyssey, Google Podcasts, and pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow me at Julian Council on Twitter, where I need your participation with our Friday mailbag. Get in those questions so I can get to them for Friday morning show. Thank you guys so much for the support. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.